Welcome to the Possibility of Today radio show. This weekly series mixes entertainment with inspiration and information to help you learn how to live in a different way and take advantage of all the possibilities of today. Do you want to find the way to your something more and live life to the fullest? Then you're in the right place. Host Sybil Shavis will guide you through an exciting journey of self-discovery and transformation so you can be entertained, be inspired, and be informed. Now here's Sybil. Hey, I've got a question for you. If you had to choose, do you think that you would rather people thought you were warm? You know, and when I say warm, like an overall caring and loving person, or would you rather that people thought, you know, that you were competent and just someone that was very strong? You know, you always held things together and for the most part were pretty decisive. So if you had to choose, which one do you think you would rather people considered that you were kind or strong. And the reason why I'm asking this is because I was reading this article about Machiavelli. He was this Italian historian and philosopher that lived like 500 years ago, and he actually considered a question that was really along these same lines. The question that Machiavelli asked was, is it better to be loved or feared? And Machiavelli actually concluded that it was better to be feared. Listen to a clip from a speech given by Don McDonald, who is a writer and has studied Machiavelli, and he gave this speech at a TED event. In his landmark political treatise, The Prince, it's much safer to be feared than loved. This is probably Machiavelli's most infamous line, and it's probably what he's best known for. Even if you don't know who Machiavelli is, you've probably heard this line. But even though it's said all the time that Machiavelli reached this conclusion that it's better to be feared than loved, when you dig a little deeper and look at his actual statement, he really qualified what he was saying and concluded that it was really better to be both. That ultimately what people really want is to be respected. Listen to how Don McDonald went on to explain it in his TED speech. When we hear this, we're not getting it in the full context of his work. What Machiavelli tells us here is that it is better to be feared than loved if one cannot be both. That is, the ideal leader is both feared and loved. He is respected. And when you think about it, when you truly respect someone and think very highly of them, It really is important that you feel that they're lovable or kind, but also that you feel that they're strong and competent, right? I mean, think of someone that you either work with right now or you've worked with in the past that you just thought really highly of and respected. When you think about them and their characteristics, don't you think that they're both kind and likable, but also you think they're competent and very good at what they do, right? In fact those may be the main reasons why you like them and respect them. And the reason why we're talking about all of this is because, as I'm sure comes as no surprise, the personality that somebody has really matters. I mean, it affects everything, right? It affects how they view themselves, how other people view them, and even how successful they're going to be. There's actually this research done by the Carnegie Institute of Technology, and it showed that 85% of your financial success in life is directly tied 
to your personality and what other people think about you. 85%. I mean, that's really high, don't you think? And even more than that, this other Nobel Prize winning psychologist, his name is Daniel Kahneman, his research found that people would rather do business with a person they like and trust, even if that person is offering a lower quality product or service at a higher price. Isn't that interesting? And understanding it makes it obvious, right, that we want to make sure we have a good personality. And according to some studies done recently in behavioral science, the two personality traits that we were talking about earlier that Machiavelli was choosing between being kind or being strong are the exact traits that we want to make certain that we have. And although at the time when Machiavelli was talking about the two traits, the assumption was that you could not have both and it was difficult for a person to be considered to be both lovable and strong, this new research shows that a person actually can be considered to be both kind and strong. And this same research, which was conducted by Amy Cuddy from Harvard Business School, goes on to explain how important it is that you have both of these traits, that you are both kind and strong. You really want them as part of your personality. So we're going to talk about these traits specifically on today's show, which is all about reinventing yourself. I'm sure you've heard of the term reinventing yourself. Usually people use it when they're describing what they consider to be a need or a desire to change or improve something about themselves. Oftentimes it's when they're talking about big life changers like changing careers or quitting their jobs or just doing something completely different than they were. But I'm actually a believer that we need to continually reinvent ourselves. And I don't think that reinventing yourself only applies to those times when you're doing these huge life changers, if that's even something you choose to do. Reinventing yourself is something that we should be doing regularly because essentially it's setting us up to continuously improve and get more and more out of life, the things that, you know, that we want. I mean, wouldn't you agree that we always want to make sure that we're moving in the right direction? And the reality is, right, that life is always changing. And we don't ever want to get in that position where we feel like we're stuck or, you know, on hamster wheel or just maintaining the status quo. And we obviously don't want to ever get in the position where we feel like we're moving backwards or in the wrong direction, I mean, we want to continually be moving upward. And that's why today we're talking all about reinventing yourself. Because haven't you noticed, honestly, how easy it is to settle? We can get so used to our routines and just doing the things the way we've always done them. Actually, to that point, I was listening to another TED speech. This one was given by Wesley Gu, and he's the founder of a company called Reinvention Worldwide. And he said something I just thought was so insightful. He said that we have to be open to continually improving or reinventing ourselves because otherwise we bring our old skills and traits that aren't giving us everything that we need for the future that we really want to be creating. Listen to how he explained it in his TED speech. Too many people try to bring the last year's version of themselves into the new year. 
This year is going to require new things for you, whether it's this year and you're, or when you're watching this in August. Maybe there's something that in the new path ahead that you're going to pave, you're going to have to do something different than what you've been doing before, right? So what I propose is this. You reinvent yourself. And as we've been talking about, and also as he recommended, reinventing yourself is key. But what he said is just so true, right, about how easy it is to fall into the trap of just doing what you've always done or bringing your last year's skills or things that honestly may not be working and trying to rely on those to do things that we possibly have never done before. When what we really need to be doing, right, is making changes or reinventing certain things about ourselves so that we don't ever have to be in the position where we look up one day and say, where did all the time go? How am I still here instead of where I really want to be? But honestly, a lot of times it just doesn't feel that it's as easy as deciding, hey, I'm going to change this about myself and then that's going to have a positive ripple effect across my entire life and let me get more and more of the things I truly want. I mean, it almost seems too good to be true, doesn't it? I know when I was practicing law, I just assumed I was going to be an attorney for my entire life. I mean, I went to school for a long time. I was like, I'm just going to be an attorney. And the thought that I was going to actually start changing things about myself when I was in my mid-30s and that would actually lead me to finding my way to the things I really wanted just seemed unlikely. In fact, I literally can remember back to the day when I was sitting in my office and I was thinking to myself, at this point in my career, there is no way that I can even consider changing things up. I mean, I knew I had kids, I had responsibilities, but now, honestly, I realize that life just has a way of surprising you when you do push and open yourself up to reinventing yourself. And I can say without any doubt that reinventing myself and opening myself up to doing things differently than I had been doing was by all means one of the best things I've ever done. I mean, it literally has changed so many things in a good way about how I live, how I experience life, how I feel as I move through the day. So I'm sure you can imagine that now I am a big believer in reinventing yourself and continually setting yourself up to improve and stay on that upward path. But it's really interesting to me that I've landed at this perspective because it is so far from what I used to think. I used to not really believe that you could change certain things about your personality. For me personally, I'd always been you know, risk averse and serious, and I thought of myself to be very pragmatic. And if Machiavelli had seen me in action at work, uh, as an attorney, he definitely would have said that I had the uh, quote-unquote strong thing down. But, of course, could use some work on being lovable or warm. And it's not that I was one of those horrible bosses or anything that dramatic. It's just that I don't know that the majority of people would have described me as warm. But I knew this, right? I recognized it, and I finally signed up to reinvent that about myself and be willing to improve in that quote unquote warm and kind department. And once I broke down those walls, all my kindness just started flowing out. I mean, I'm not kidding. When I look at myself back then and compare myself now, 
I almost think that I'm like a totally different person. I mean, and everyone who knows me has noticed like my friends, my husband. I mean, it's actually pretty funny because the people that I meet today can't even imagine me any other way. And all I did was open myself up to reinventing myself and making little changes here and there. But those changes really did have this ripple effect on my entire life. And of course, everyone is capable of doing these little things, right, to tweak or improve your personality. And those things end up leading to the big changes that you want for your life. It's just interesting how it works. As Amy Cuddy from Harvard Business School described it, it really is just the little things. Tiny tweaks can lead to big changes. It really is just so true. And even though it's easy to think this is just my personality or how I was born or my parents have this characteristic, so that's why I'm this way, or I've just been this way for so long, I've always been impatient or easily annoyed or just not confident or anything that we think about our personalities. The truth is that all of our personality traits can be changed. And I am a huge believer that we should get rid of the ones that just do nothing for us and strengthen the ones that actually can provide us some huge benefits in life, like the two personality traits we were talking about earlier, being kind and being strong or confident. We just know that these two traits provide enormous benefits. And so it really just comes down to the understanding that we can change these things about our personality and then, of course, choose to do those things that are going to allow us to change our personality in the way that we know it needs to be changed. Actually, to that point, Amy Cuddy the professor from Harvard Business School that we've been hearing from has a great story. Before she became a professor at Harvard Business School, she went to grad school at Princeton. But her route to Princeton wasn't the traditional route that you would expect of a grad student because while she was in college, she got into a car accident and it really took a toll on her. In fact, it took her eight years to finish college and of course, you know, she lost all of her confidence. And she said that her confidence was so low that she felt like she just never deserved to even go to graduate school at Princeton and felt like an imposter because she didn't belong there. Listen to how she explains it. I want to tell you a little story about being an imposter and feeling like I'm not supposed to be here. When I was 19, I was in a really bad car accident. I was thrown out of a car rolled several times. I was thrown from the car and um, I woke up in a head injury rehab ward and I had been withdrawn from college um, and I learned that my IQ had dropped by two standard deviations, which was um, tr very traumatic. I knew my IQ because I had identified with being smart and I had been called gifted as a child. So I'm taken out of college. I keep trying to go back. They say, you're not going to finish college. Like just there's, there are other things for you to do, but that's not going to work out for you. So I, I really struggled with this. And I have to say, having your identity taken from you, your core identity, and if, for me it was being smart, having that taken from you, there's nothing that leaves you feeling more powerless than that. So I felt entirely powerless. I worked and worked and worked, and I got lucky and worked and got lucky and worked. Eventually I graduated from college. It took me four years longer than my peers. And I convinced someone, my, my angel uh, advisor, Susan Fisk, to take me on. And so I ended up at Princeton, and I was like, I am not supposed to be here. 
So as Amy was explaining, she made it all the way to Princeton. She got hired, but she still felt like she was an imposter and just wasn't supposed to be there because she just wasn't confident. In fact, her confidence was so low that right after she got to Princeton, she decided she was going to quit. So she calls the head professor that she was working for and tells her, you know, that's it, I'm quitting. But the head professor didn't let her quit and actually said something that allowed Amy to realize exactly how she could reinvent herself and that she didn't have to live her life not being strong and confident. Listen to how Amy explains the story. The night before my first year talk, and the first year talk at Princeton is a 20-minute talk to 20 people. That's it. I was so afraid of being found out the next day that I called her and said, I'm quitting. She was like, you are not quitting because I took a gamble on you and you're staying. You're going to stay and this is what you're going to do. You're going to fake it. You're going to take, you're going to do every talk that you ever get asked to do. You're just going to do it and do it and do it, even if you're terrified and just paralyzed and having an out-of-body experience until you have this moment where you say, oh my gosh, I'm doing it. Like, I have become this. I am actually doing this. So that's what I did. Five years in grad school. So Amy shared how she overcame her lack of confidence and strength and actually reached the point where she no longer felt like she was an imposter because she just faked it until she became it. So she ended up reinventing herself and, of course, landed this job to be a professor at Harvard Business School. And this is where the story gets even better because you know how one of the best things that you can ever do, right, is like share with people tricks or little things that have worked for you. Well, Amy ends up passing along the same advice that her professor gave to her while she was at Princeton to one of her students at Harvard that was about to fail because she also didn't feel strong or confident. Listen to how Amy Cuddy describes it. A few years, you know, I'm at Northwestern, I moved to Harvard. I'm at Harvard, I'm not really thinking about it anymore, but for a long time I had been thinking, not supposed to be here, not supposed to be here. So the end of my first year at Harvard, a student who had not talked in class the entire semester, who I had said, look, you got to participate or else you're going to fail, came into my office. I really didn't know her at all. And she said, she came in totally defeated and she said, I'm not supposed to be here. And that was the moment for me because two things happened. One was that I realized, oh my gosh, I don't feel like that anymore. You know, I don't feel that anymore, but she does and I get that feeling. And the second was, she is supposed to be here. Like she can fake it, she can become it. So I was like, yes, you are. You are supposed to be here and tomorrow you're going to fake it. You're going to make yourself powerful. And, you know, you're going <laughs> to... You're going to go... You're going to go into the classroom and you are going to give the best comment ever, you know? And she gave the best comment ever. And people turned around, they were like, oh my God, I didn't even notice her sitting there, you know? She comes back to me months later and I realized that she had not just faked it till she made it, she had actually faked it till she became it. So she had changed. Um, And so I, I, I want to say to you, don't fake it till you make it, fake it till you become it. Isn't that a great story? And it's just so true, right, that you can fake it until you become it. I know I did, and it works. I mean, it really just works. You can really change or reinvent about yourself whatever you want, and you just make these little tweaks, and before you know it, you become whatever it is that you want to become more of. And as we were talking about earlier, being strong is one of the traits that we absolutely want. 
And another thing that's interesting is that Amy Cuddy actually also shared some really interesting research that shows if you just take two minutes to yourself and strike what she calls a power pose, it literally can impact your confidence by the end of the two minutes. And when Amy's referring to power poses, she's talking about, you know, like putting your hands on your hips, like the famous picture we see of Wonder Woman or other superheroes, or striking any other power pose that just shows you're in control. Now, I know this may sound a little off the wall. And when I first heard it, I was thinking to myself, are we really talking about striking a pose? But the answer is actually yes. And Amy Cuddy says that according to this research that she's done, if you can just take two minutes and go into a room by yourself before you go into a situation that may be stressful or where you feel a little uncomfortable and you know your confidence needs to be raised, if you can take two minutes and go and strike some of these power poses, it will automatically increase your confidence and you're going to then ultimately perform better and come off as strong and confident in whatever situation you may normally find intimidating or stressful. Interesting, right? And again, you can do any pose. It's just about doing something that shows you feel in control. Listen to how Amy Cuddy describes the power poses. This is what they are. They are about expanding. So you make yourself big, you stretch out, you take up space, you're basically opening up. It's about opening up. So as she was saying, power poses really are like striking a pose like a superhero or just something that shows to yourself that you feel in control. And listen to how Amy describes this study that she conducted, because when people would strike these poses, it literally impacted their brain. And when they did these high power poses, it boosted their confidence and made them more assertive. But on the other hand, if they were to do a low power pose or a pose where they were withdrawing or felt less in control or anything that just made them feel small, they ended up feeling more stressed out. And in some instances, they'd even shut down. We decided to uh, bring people into the lab and run a little experiment. And these people adopted for two minutes either high power poses or low power poses. So two minutes lead to these hormonal changes that configure your brain to basically be either assertive, confident, and comfortable, or really stress reactive um, and you know, feeling sort of shut down. Isn't that interesting? And although a lot of times when people are talking about body language, they're talking about you know, how our body language shows other people what we're thinking and how we feel, but what is actually even more important than what other people are thinking is the fact that our body language literally impacts what we think about ourselves personally. Listen to how Amy Cuddy described it. When we think of nonverbals, we think of how we judge others, how they judge us, and what the outcomes are. We tend to forget, though, the other audience that's influenced by our nonverbals, and that's ourselves. We are also influenced by our nonverbals, our thoughts and our feelings and our physiology. I think that's a really important thing to recognize, right? Because your body language actually is influencing how you feel about yourself every single second. And it's even easier once you understand that to know that if you really want to boost your confidence, you really can become more conscious of your body language and do things like taking two minutes and striking power poses or just doing other 
nonverbal things that are going to actually boost your confidence. And Amy Cuddy described how in this same study, she also conducted some research outside of the lab and found the exact same effect, that essentially these nonverbals or striking these powerful poses makes people feel confident and think of themselves differently in all different types of situations where they're being evaluated. But the next question, of course, is can power posing for a few minutes really change your life in meaningful ways? So this is in the lab. It's this little task. You know, it's just a couple of minutes. You know, where can you actually apply this, which we cared about, of course. What matters, I mean, where you want to use this is evaluative situations. Like, where are you being evaluated? Either by your friends, like for teenagers at the lunchroom table. It could be, you know, for some people, it's speaking at a school board meeting. It might be giving a pitch or giving a talk like this or um, doing a job interview. So her research just concluded that it really does work in so many different situations where you're being evaluated. You know, if you're going to give a speech or go on an interview or any situation where you just don't feel that you're confident or strong enough, you can just do some of these power poses beforehand and the nonverbals are going to impact your brain and what you think and how you feel. Listen to the specific results that they got after testing this with people who were interviewing for jobs. Because the people who did these power poses for just two minutes had better interviews and people wanted to hire them. And honestly, the evaluations were just better overall. We bring people into a lab and they do, a couple, they do either high or low power poses again. They go through a very stressful job interview. It's five minutes long. They are being recorded. They're being judged also. And the judges are trained to give no nonverbal feedback. So for five minutes, nothing. And this is worse than being heckled. People hate this. It's, it's what Marianne LaFrance calls standing in social quicksand. So this really spikes your cortisol. So this is the job interview we put them through because we really wanted to see what happened. We then have these coders look at these tapes, four of them. They're blind to the hypothesis. They're blind to the conditions. They have no idea who's been posing in what pose. They end up looking at these sets of tapes and they say, oh, we want to hire these people, all the high power posers. We also evaluate these people much more positively overall. Really fascinating, right? So if you're wondering, like I was when I heard this information, why on earth does striking a pose really have such a profound impact on us? Well, the answer is that people just feel more confident to be their true selves. And these poses are helping them break through any reservations that they may have about showing people who they are or having to hide the fact that they're not good enough. Essentially, the poses break through all that nonsense and people are no longer wasting energy hiding a certain part of themselves or covering up their lack of confidence. And this just really allows them to open up and be who they really are. Listen to how Amy Cuddy describes it. But what's driving it? People are bringing their true selves, basically. They're bringing themselves. They bring their ideas, but as themselves, with, with no you know, residue over them. So this is what's driving the effect or media, mediating the effect. I just find that so interesting. And you know, the reality is, as we've been talking about, one of the two traits that we definitely want to strengthen in ourselves is to be strong and to be confident. And here are Amy's words of wisdom 
of exactly what you need to do to strengthen your confidence at any point. This is two minutes, two minutes, two minutes, two minutes. Before you go into the next stressful evaluative situation, for two minutes, try doing this in the elevator, in a bathroom stall, at your desk behind closed doors. That's what you want to do. Get, configure your brain to cope the best in that situation. Get your testosterone up, get your cortisol down. Don't leave that situation feeling like, oh, I didn't show them who I am. Leave that situation feeling like, oh, I really feel like I got to say who I am and show who I am. So I really think that's something to seriously consider trying out. Honestly, no one's going to know, but the next time you're going to go into a situation where you're feeling like, hey, I need a boost of confidence and some more strength because I just really want to be open and be able to show who I am, just do what Amy says and prepare yourself for that situation and go take two minutes and really try to strike some of these power poses. And in addition to that, we know also Amy followed her professor's advice and put herself in these positions where she had to tap into her strength and confidence. And so she pushed herself to do it more and more and pushed herself out of her comfort zone. And that's also something that we've got to do anytime, you know, that we want to reinvent ourselves or any kind of personality trait that we want to strengthen. We've got to be willing to do things that perhaps we ordinarily would not do. And as we've been talking about this entire show, it's all about reinventing ourselves in the right way and really shaping our personality so that it definitely has two of the most important traits, being strong like we were just talking about. And we're going to discuss the second trait that Machiavelli was talking about being really essential to have, which is kindness after the break. Welcome back. You are listening to The Possibility of Today on webtalkradio.net. We've been talking all about the importance of reinventing yourself, right? Specifically as it pertains to being more confident or strong, which is one of the two essential traits that Machiavelli pointed to. And now we're going to talk about the other trait that is really important and essential and also tied to the way we feel about ourselves what others think about us and our success and essentially has so many other benefits. And that is we need to also make certain that we are as warm and as kind as possible. And what's interesting is that, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking about, okay, how can I be more confident? How can I be more strong? But when it comes to making an impression, guess what people seem to value and notice first? People notice the most how warm of a personality you have, even more so than how confident or how competent or how strong you are. Listen to how Susan Fisk, who is a professor at Princeton, explains it. Warmth of intent. That was a pretty good candidate for a first dimension of forming impressions. You know, it's the new person uh, have warm and friendly and trustworthy intentions or not. So while, of course, it's important that, you know, we're strong and competent and confident, what people tend to notice first is how warm and kind you are. And this gets even more interesting because there was also this study done and a group of people were asked to watch videos of physicians. They wanted to see if people's determination of which physicians were nice 
was correlated at all to which physicians were less likely to be sued in the future by a patient. And guess what? There was a correlation. When the group concluded, based on what they saw in the video, that a certain physician was nice, that physician was actually less likely to ever be sued by a patient. Amy Cuddy from Harvard Business School actually included this research in her TED speech. Listen to how she explained it. Uh, Nalini Ambadi, a researcher at Tufts University, shows that when people watch 30-second 30 30 soundless clips of real physician-patient interactions, their judgments of the physician's niceness predict whether or not that physician will be sued. So it doesn't have to do so much with whether or not that physician was incompetent, but do we like that person and how they interacted? Pretty interesting, right? I mean, clearly we all want our physicians to be competent, but according to the study, what also really matters and seems to be what people notice first is that they are warm and kind. And that's why I really wanted to talk about this second trait that Machiavelli pointed to in terms of being you know, lovable or kind and how that is a personality trait that we want. We want to be open to reinventing ourselves in this area and, of course, you know, continually improving in, you know, the warm and kind department. And I'm not saying that you're not already warm or kind. I just know that this is something that we can always continually improve. And I came across this really interesting thing that you can do to set yourself up to do just that, right, and continually get more warm and more kind. Have you heard of Gretchen Rubin? She is the author of several books. She has like a number one New York Times bestseller. And she found that we can use intensity and strengthen whatever traits we want in our personality. And by intensity, what she's saying is that if we challenge ourselves to do whatever it is that we're working on, we can do it to the extreme for just one week. And so specifically in the case of being warm or kind, that would mean that we would be extremely nice for one week. And if we were to do that, then it would essentially shape and influence our personality and help us strengthen being warm and kind. Gretchen actually conducted this experiment on herself and she was intensely kind for one week. Listen to this clip where she describes what happened using intensity to blast through certain things that are standing in your way. And I decided that for one week, I was going to be extremely nice to my husband. So if he asked me to do something, I did it without complaining. Uh, I, I didn't do all the little things that I do that I know bug him, like leaving my popsicle wrappers around the house. I put away my clothes because that drives him nuts. Um, I just, if he suggested doing something, I was enthusiastic. And so for a week, I was sort of the perfect, extremely nice, loving wife that I really do aspire to be. And listen to how she describes the results that she got. The thing is that it feels very nice to be extremely nice, but it was really good to remind myself of just the level, what, what it would be like if I were like that, or to remind myself of, of like, this is what it would be if you could stay um, at that point. And it was a very good exercise in that way. Also, because when we, we act the way we feel because of the way we act, by acting in a very loving way, I really did make myself feel much more loving. And I think that's just a really interesting way to go about it. And of course, it's not to oversimplify it, right? In other words, 
you're not going to just become amazingly loving and warm and kind in a week because you practice it intensely. You know, I do think that you have to make certain that you're continually working at and chipping away at whatever you can that may perhaps for whatever reason be preventing you from continually being loving and kind. But I do think that, you know, working on it and being conscious of it and striving to be warming and kind is an amazing first step to take. And I think the thing also to really notice about this exercise of being extremely nice for a week and also what, you know, Amy Cuddy, the professor from Harvard Business School was sharing earlier about striking these power poses and strengthening your confidence You know, in both of these instances, the number one person that you're trying to convince is yourself. You know, as Gretchen was sharing, she said that she felt more loving personally. And Amy was talking about how when people struck those poses, they thought of themselves as more confident and that transferred through to their actions and to what other people were thinking. And of course, you know, people are going to always judge us and have impressions and perceptions of who we are. But if we can just get to the point where we realize that the most important judgment is our own, then it's amazing, right? How you can positively impact other people's judgments. For example, if you personally are continually feeling confident, then other people are going to eventually feel that about you. And this holds true for, you know, being loving or warm or kind. If you think that other people aren't going to really notice, honestly, it doesn't even matter in the beginning. Like when I was trying to become more warm or kind, I knew it wasn't going to be one day I was somewhat warm and kind and the other day people thought I was extremely warm and kind. Like it just doesn't happen like that. But what does happen is that eventually once you feel more and more that you are becoming kind and, you know, you are working to push yourself and to be warmer and kinder and really get at it so that it's authentic and that it's genuine, the people all around you are going to absolutely start noticing. It's just the way the process works. And again, what matters the most, right, is what you think. Are you continually doing more and more things that are really allowing you to feel like you are being more loving and more kind? And that's the beauty of being able to reinvent yourself because it's very possible to do that and, you know, to strengthen these personality traits that you want to strengthen in yourself. And we've been talking, you know, all about reinventing yourself as it pertains specifically to the personality traits of being warm and kind and strong. But another great area to open yourself up to in terms of reinventing yourself is with your financial situation. And again, this is just another area of our life where we can continually improve. And as I was talking about earlier, you know, I took it upon myself to reinvent myself in terms of being warm and kind and, you know, working on my other personality traits But also, you know, what I've always been open to is reinventing myself wherever I know I need to. And when people find out that I quit my job and took the chance to start the possibility of today, some people are really intrigued because they say they've always wanted to 
be able to go after those things they really want. But the thing that continually holds them back are their responsibilities and their financial situation. And honestly, I get that because that held me back for a long time too. And this really is when being open to reinventing yourself and continually improving your financial situation definitely comes into play because it was something I knew I had to do in order to go after what I wanted. And that meant I had to do things differently than I had been so I could set myself up, you know, to take this chance. Now, of course, I'm always open to reinventing myself in whatever way is going to allow me to continually move forward. And so what that means is that I'm always on the lookout for new ideas or learning about new things, you know, just trying to make certain that I'm aware of my options and can make informed decisions. To that point, that's why I invited today's guest, Kirill Zagalski. He actually is from American Bullion, which is a company that specializes in investing in precious metals like gold and silver. And if this isn't really something you've ever thought about, then you're in the same boat I was. And I was just curious to learn more about it because I've been hearing in the news a lot about people buying gold. So I was intrigued. And I hadn't really ever been aware while I was working that, you know, you could invest some of your 401k or IRA in gold or precious metals. And so it's actually one of the first things that I asked Kirill. Here's an excerpt from our interview. Kirill, hey, how are you? I'm doing good. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming on the show. You know, as we were just discussing, we've been really talking about just ways that we can be thoughtful and look at our entire financial situation because we are thinking about, okay, how do I continually reinvent myself? How do I continually improve and make certain that I'm doing the things that I should? You know, I worked in corporate America for well over 10 years and I don't know, maybe it's just a pretty new topic to me, but I was never even aware that you could really put gold like in a 401k or an IRA account. Is this something new? Well, I, I think uh, as demand for gold uh, has increased and demand has increased globally, uh, central banks are buying gold faster than they ever have. Um, and uh, public uh, demand for gold has also increased. Um, the, in the last uh, 15 years or so, uh, the IRS has actually um, uh, allowed the storage of physical assets inside of IRAs. Uh, it was in the mid-90s, I think, was the first time that they actually uh, allowed for physical gold to be stored inside of the IRA. So it is a relatively new um, topic as it relates to IRAs and 401ks. So I thought that that was interesting and definitely something worth learning more about. And the next thing I asked Kirill was whether or not this really is the time to be considering investing in gold. When it comes to being open to reinventing ourselves financially, is gold really something we want to consider and learn even more about? So I asked Kirill why American Bullion clients were investing in gold. And it's pretty interesting. Take a listen. What is the number one reason your clients invest in gold? Uh, it's protection. Uh, it's, it's, it's definitely protection. Uh, again, when you go back and, and you really take a look at what the, uh, the monetary system of the entire, it's not just in the United States, but of the entire world, what it's based on, it's all paper. Um, it's paper assets. It's, uh, it's just paper money. 
Um, and uh, a lot of folks, uh, they want to protect themselves with something real, something that's been around for 6,000 years and uh, is solid and will always have a value. Uh, but I think um, just kind of uh, going back to what, uh, what you've been saying about reinventing yourself and, and uh, the different approach that you can take, um, I think it's a perfect time to buy gold for anybody that doesn't have it. Um, gold is an asset that's been around for 6,000 years. Uh, I think, uh, Machiavelli, uh, <laughs> also would probably agree that it's a fair, fairly good investment, uh, even from his time. Um, and, uh, really the, uh, uh, the whole idea is to simply diversify, um, and, uh, get out of, uh, kind of the, the, the status quo, um, ups and downs of the stock market. Uh, gold is solid. Uh, it's uh, been around for a very long time. It's always going to have a value. Uh, and it's a great way to uh, protect yourself and, and to do something a little bit different uh, for your portfolio. So I did think all that information was really interesting. And I'm just a big believer in being able to make informed decisions and being exposed to things that you may not have normally been exposed to or learned about or heard about. And to that point, actually, if this is something, if you are interested in learning more about gold or contacting American Bullion, I, Kirill said that they are absolutely open to discussions and answering questions, and he shared his contact information. We have uh, a lot of uh, very qualified agents here. We're happy to help. It's one of the uh, great parts of the job is talking to folks from all different walks of life and uh, trying to cater our uh, recommendation uh, based on their uh, needs and, and their uh, perception of, uh, of what's going on. So uh, absolutely, we, we welcome all inquiries. We have a brochure that we send out um, uh, with uh, no obligation, uh, just informational brochure, and uh, uh, we're very happy to help. Okay, and the best way for us to get in contact with a representative is to just go to AmericanBullion.com. You can find us on the web at AmericanBullion.com. Um, our 800 number is 800-531-6525. Just call and say, I'm looking for information on an IRA rollover or a 401k rollover. And we're a U.S. Mint listed dealer. You can actually go directly to the United States Mint website and uh, find uh, uh, find us as a national dealer of the U.S. Mint. Um, so we're uh, we're we're happy to help. We're our name is out there, and uh, again, we welcome all inquiries. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure, and uh, I'm ha- happy to chat anytime that uh, you're available, Sybil. So, in light of this whole conversation that we've been having about reinventing ourselves. I just wanted to pass that information along in case it is something that you are interested in because reinventing yourself and being open, right, to continuously improving is just something that we really want to always do. And it's just about having a philosophy that, you know, you are open to exploring new ideas and open to really taking a closer look at things and figuring out things that you may need to change or tweak or just do, as Amy Cuddy was saying, those tiny tweaks that are going to lead to big life changers. And so, of course, we were talking about the tweaks from a personality standpoint and the two traits that Machiavelli pointed out that were really essential to have as a part of our personality, the first being warm or what people consider to be lovable, and the second being confident or strong. And, you know, the possibility that we have today is to really get serious about 
making those tweaks and doing those things, the suggestions that we heard from Amy Cuddy about the power poses and signing up to do those things that, you know, we may have to push out of our comfort zone to do, but essentially are going to allow us to get more and more comfortable and grow in ways that we know we want to grow. And the other suggestion from Gretchen Rubin about just really having a week of intensity and strengthening the character trait of being warm and kind. And we know these traits are really important and are tied to so many of the things that we want for our life and our success. So strengthening them in whatever way we can is really something I think we all want to commit to doing. And that is the show for the week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a great rest of the week. We'll catch up next time. And of course, live today better than yesterday. To learn more about making a change in your life, visit possibilityoftoday.com. Don't forget to like Sybil's Facebook page by clicking the Facebook icon on her Web Talk Radio profile page. You can also follow her on Twitter using the handle at Sybil Chavis. Thanks for listening this week. And remember to be entertained, be inspired, be informed. Oh, 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 oh,